stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the breaking zone! He looked at his kingdom, he was finally there. He sat on his throne as the fresh prince of Abu Dhabi. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. You are the world champion! Good evening everybody and welcome to episode 171 of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighbourhood host Mr. Andre Harrison and it's good to be back for more than one week in a row. It is basically a waterline miracle at this point. Um, <laughs> but here we are. Joining me, as always, is Uncle Phil, aka Ryan King. Hello sir. Yo guys. First it was Bad Boys, and it was Independence Day, and it was Men in Black, Enemy, Enemy of the State, Men in Black 2, Bad Boys 2, nice one, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, oh my god, guys, Will Smith is the best. Truly the crossover star of this era. Who needs Justin Timberlake, anyway? <laughs> and in the blue corner, as always, Colton Banks. RJ O'Connell, hello, sir. <laughs> That is uh, that is Carlton Banks portrayed by a former um, a former driver in the predecessor to the Mazda Road to Indy. I will have you know, Alfonso <laughs> Ribeiro did drive in a. I want to say it was like the Pro Dodge Barber Dodge for like he did a couple of races. Obviously didn't win anything, but yeah, he was there. He drove. <laughs> he drove. He attended. Also, can I can I just say that like Will Smith? I didn't know that he was fifty years old. He is like peak. To, to borrow Flay's black don't crack, he no. really doesn't. <laughs> good good genes, good genes. Like we got to talk about this because this this was this was a problem. Like Will Smith was everywhere this weekend in Abu Dhabi. Like literally everywhere. He, obviously, he hung out in like mostly in the Mercedes pit garage with Lewis Hamilton again because um, he he flew in for Mexico. He's like apparently they're now best friends now. Who'd have thought it? And uh, he he flew over for Abu Dhabi. He was there. He was watching the pit stops on the side and. King, I'm sure you saw the hilarious pre-race video <laughs> oh that Mercedes God, yes, put out on Twitter. So yeah, with uh, Will, if you have not seen this, please go out of your way to find it. It's on Mercedes Twitter page and on F1's Instagram page as well. You, you can't miss it. Literally, Will Smith chaining Lewis up or taping him to a chair inside the back of the garage. <laughs> and the best line of that was, "I'm black, you black. No one can be able to tell the difference." <laughs> <laughs> This is a once in a lifetime opportunity for me. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. Did you see the behind the scenes video, King? Yes. Did, like, did you like like actually, did you see oh, who no, was recording the seen, video? I no, I hadn't seen the behind the scenes. No, seriously, there was a behind the scenes, right? And what was amazing about this was in it, like they actually show who was recording the video, and recording the video was Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, because uh, just so you know that 2020, Bad Boys 3 is coming out, titled Bad Boys for Life. Oh my god, does this mean we're going to have Lewis Hamilton's major motion picture debut being Bad Boys 3, <laughs> directed by Michael Bay? Is this L a prequel? L L Lewis is getting a cameo in Bad Boys 3. You heard it here first. We are, we, we are, we are coming out with scoops. Here on Motorsport 101. Hashtag oh God, scoops. We are with ben a Z on Michael the end. 
Best thing Michael Bay has ever directed was that Instagram video. Yes. <laughs> Without a doubt. Without any of that. You see, he was out there waving the flag. He waved the checkered flag. He he was stunting out there waving that UAE flag. He was stunting like, like he was acting like he'd been here before. Which he, he operated the had. swinging camera at the hairpin. He was very he good. Barbells on it, which everybody was just assumed, oh, hey, it's just gym day. No, that's just <laughs> to counterbalance the camera. But yep. that's still very impressive. He looked like a seasoned pro. Yeah, I, I saw the video he filmed. He was way better than Fernando Alonso tried it. <laughs> he was fantastic. Um, but yeah, Will Smith, everybody. Uh, uh, everybody's new best friend. And like I said, how else would you celebrate your 50th birthday than literally doing a bungee jump out of a plane over the Grand Canyon? Will Smith isn't like most people. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. And of course, who was there with him? His wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, and his ex-wife. Again. <laughs> Wolfsmith isn't like most people. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Now, before this episode turns into an episode of TMZ, <laughs> I'll get some general housekeeping out of the way. So we're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD. Also, send me email suggestions for a possible new Twitter handle involving me. If you can find one, then it's free. I'll send you a free t-shirt. Um, <laughs> at Ryan Eric King and at RJ O'Connell. Um, also, shout out to us. We just crossed 300 followers on SoundCloud. Thanks, everybody, for following us yeah. out on there. That, that's that's great. Uh, if, you re- if you really, really like us, you can back us financially as well on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 sincere apologies to a couple of emails i got from people saying oh why can't we see your posts anymore on there patreon changed their system when it came to new posts where it defaulted to like if you backed us at more than five dollars for example if you're in the ten dollar tier and that's what you claimed it turns out that it defaulted to one and five and if you if you didn't have the ten box ticked if, if even if you're in the higher tier, you wouldn't get to be able to see it. Apologies about that. That has now been fixed. Um, my sincere apologies for that one. Blame Patreon, not me. <laughs> it's their fault. Um, being punished for paying more, as Cam points out in the Discord. So $5 gets you early access to both this show, I promise, and Bike Live as well. Bike Live episode 88 went live this past Sunday as well. A eh? Well... It's a, shall we say, dramatic weekend of racing in Valencia, to say the least. Uh, uh, Davizioso won the final race of the year. Valentino Rossi almost pulled off a miracle comeback, then binned it. Alex Rins was second. Some guy on a KTM got on the podium. It was a pretty good weekend for KTM in general. I think Ryan King has only just recovered from it, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I woke up in like an Austrian beer garden, had no idea what city I was in. It was weird times. He wasn't wearing pants either. Um, it was a it was a rough weekend as uh, Paul Despagro got on the podium for KTM's best ever result by a comfortable distance on that one. And of course, MotoGP said goodbye to its favourite samurai in Danny Pedrosa. Um, a, a great tribute to him as well. Moto2 Miguel Oliveira takes the most dominant win of the year for the KTM boys again as Alex Marquez fell off again. For God's sake, Alex, why do you keep doing this to us? Um, and yeah, you're supposed to fall in practice. Right, like listen, take lessons from your brother. Crash when it's not important. Um, and Moto Three, where a literal fifteen-year-old teenager by the name of Chan Onsuru won his very first Grand Prix at the age of fifteen and one hundred and fifteen days on his debut. 
on a KTM. Um, yeah, bit a little bit of history, to say the least. And uh, uh, as I said during Bike Live last week, I've been watching bikes for nearly 20 years. That might be the single most impressive thing I have ever seen. <laughs> and, and I've seen some things in the last two decades, trust me. All of that in a heaped Valencia review. Um, all of that on Bike Live, available right now. If you're back to the $10 level, you also get into our Discord server, where you listen to you can listen to these shows as they happen, which is what Cam, Henry, and Jason are doing right now. Thanks, you guys, for joining us. Hope you've enjoyed the show. And you can find all of our stuff on motorsport101.com. And boy, we have spoiled you with written content in the last week or so. Not only did a favourite series of mine come back, Dre versus Dre, and a the interesting debate about Valentino Rossi, Mark Marquez, and the future of MotoGP in general. First time I've actually done a Dre versus Dre column in two and a half years. Um, shout out to Ali for making that suggestion, by the way. Um, she's been prodding me to do that for quite some time. But um, yeah, she, uh, thanks for that. And uh, oh, and a long form piece went up at three in the morning the day later. You have a great sense of timing, don't you, RJ? <laughs> I wanted to get it in before the race to talk about my favorite F1 driver. We'll talk about it on the show. I just. <sighs> I didn't get around to doing it until then. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Next time RJ warned me so he can promote it properly. It's a fucking brilliant piece of work. <laughs> Seriously. You can still read it. <laughs> Some of it's now in the future tense that can now be applied in the past. But it's, <laughs> it's still relevant. It's like the slightly gone off milk you have in your fridge. It's like, ah, it's on the, it's on the best before date. Ah, it's still good. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, it is one of the finest pieces of long form work this site has ever had. I, I implore you. To gladly be way to read it. It is a wonderful long piece from R.J. O'Connell, if I do say so myself. And um, it's exactly the sort of content we strive to have on this on this site and on this network in general. It is utterly brilliant. Uh, Gracias Fernando um, is the name of the piece. It is on our blog site, votesport101.com forward slash blog. Go check it out if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, tell RJ, tell, tell RJ you're very grateful for his writing at RJ O'Connor on Twitter afterwards because it is a bloody magnificent piece of work, if I do say so myself. Um, so yeah, check that out if you haven't already. Um, so without further ado, we've been here now for eight months for this 2018 season we've 20 20 rounds down this is the final one so for the last time this season after this musical interview we'll talk about the f1 season finale at abu dhabi Now this is a story all about how how Hulk's cut foot got upside down, and I'd like to take a minute, Kimmy Park, right there. I'll tell you how he came Prince of Abu Dhabi. That doesn't really rhyme. Thanks, RJ. <laughs> good, good work. In yes, Marina Circuit, born and raised. That's his all the material I got. <laughs> If you were born and raised at Yas Marina Circuit, man, you were you were living some kind of life. Drink it. You would only be nine years old. <laughs> Popping bottles of rose water like it ain't no fang. But uh, 21 up, 21 down. The final round of the Formula One World Championship this year. Once again at the Circuit Yas Marina 
in Abu Dhabi. And uh, surprise, surprise, folks. Lewis Hamilton didn't shut off the end-of-season motivation meter after winning it in Kota. He took this one, too. Um to round off what's been a pretty spectacular season for him on this one. And, I mean, pff, where do you start, King? Virtually flawless from start to finish yet again. On pole by a good three temps over Valtteri. The fastest ever lap on top of that, of Abu Dhabi, of Abu Dhabi as well, um, in qualifying. A 134.7. Um, a second and a half faster than last year, for those guys that need a bit of context. Um, I know a bit of that is down to the, the tyre selection, but because uh, they brought Hypersoft here for the first time. But, uh, I mean, King, where do you start from here? Yet another practically flawless Hamilton weekend. Yep, it, it's scary. He was that good. Um... If I was a record book right now, I'd be real scared because Lewis is coming. Yeah, it's 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 becoming a problem. <laughs> like I was talking about this when King was off the air before we started recording, but uh, Sky have now offered four to six odds that Hamilton breaks Schumacher's wins record by the end of 2021. So he, he uh, so that in other words, that would be 19 wins in the next three seasons. He only needs just over six a year to break that record by 2021. And that's that's about where he's sitting on average in terms of, like, his whole career. Yeah. 11 seasons in, 73 wins. <laughs> he's almost at seven a year on average. That That's just disgusting. There's another way to describe it. And you, know, and you know what's dragging him down is those terrible years where he only managed, you know, one win a season, <laughs> two win a season, you know, something that most people have never driven Formula 1 cars, you know, have strived to do for their entire careers. They've only won one or two races in their whole career. Lewis Hamilton won 11 races. I think there are like 30 people... Who have won thirty races for their eleven races yeah. for their careers? It's 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 scary. It is it is scary. Hang on, talk amongst yourselves for a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the all time wins list, and I'm gonna tell you exactly how many drivers have only that many wins. Hang on, uh, actually, I'll put up the list right now. Like the cutoff point is 20, 22, 23, 24, 26, 20, 26 drivers have twelve wins or more. That's- and that's including Lewis, so that means 25 other yeah, guys. Yeah, like, the bottom of the pile is Mario Andretti, Carlos Reutemann, and Alan Jones, who all had 12. Jacques Villeneuve, Rubens Barrichello, and Felipe Massa all tied with 11 on the line, basically. So, think about that statement. The yeah, bottom we- of the pile <laughs> is Mario Andretti. Yeah. That's on the line. Like, that's... Oh my God. That's ridiculous. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about here. Like... That is that has been Hamilton over the hybrid era. We've now had 100 hybrid era races since 2014 began, and in that time, Lewis Hamilton has won 51 of them with 52 pole positions in those 100 races. You have a better than a coin flip chance of tossing a coin, picking a race at, ran- at random, and Lewis Hamilton would win it. That is how dominant he has been in this era. More than half the win race. just once. <laughs> pitted just once on lap eight. Got to super softs to the end. And smooth sailing for there. More or less, yeah. We'll, we'll get to why there was an early pit stop for that very shortly. But uh, yeah, Lewis, early stop. 
you know, waiting for the field to settle back out. The, the Red Bull tried to go along with Daniel Ricciardo in the hopes of dot, dot, dot. Just checking my notes here. Rain in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> God bless their optimism. Although, to be fair, there was like a thunderstorm literally a few miles down the road. So I can kind of see why they would think that um, on that one. It's Manchester United score. Yay. Yeah. Um, just want to point that out. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's rained. It's rained in the desert in MotoGP. So Formula One having rained in the desert in Abu Dhabi, it's not entirely far-fetched. But, you know, if you would expect rain, it would be like rain is expected in 15 to 20 minutes, a.k.a. rain is not coming. King, this is a live reaction. Marouane Fellaini has just scored a 91st-minute winner for Man United in the Champions League. I've just shit myself. What the hell is going on? <laughs> oh, what year is it? <laughs> it's 2012. <laughs> it is 2012. Clearly. But um, no, I just, I just wanted to point that one out for a live reaction. Uh, somewhere, Lewis, who's editing this, is, is just probably pissed himself. Um, so I thought that was quite, I thought that'd be quite funny to bring up. But uh, yeah, I get, I mean, as mentioned again, another virtually flawless weekend from Lewis Hamilton. That qualifying lap was Banzai yet again. Half a second faster than Sebastian Vettel in Sector 3 because of all that downforce he was running. Wasn't jealous at all. Not in the slightest. God damn it. He's just too good. Um, so yeah, 11-win season for Lewis again, which I think ties his best in the hybrid era. Um, again, again, only 20, only 26, only 25 other guys have won 11 races in their careers, let alone 11 in a season. That's what we're dealing with here. Um, shout out to Sebastian Vettel, who was second. I mean, made a good go of it. Started from third, passed Valtteri in the, in the mid in the middle stages of the race. I actually did rein Lewis in a bit on the slightly fresher tyres towards the end, but was uh, ran out of the road, really. Two and a half seconds shy in the end um, on that one. Uh, but good drive from Seb. Nothing more needs to be said, really, because it was just he was just kind of there, really. <laughs> um, but uh, an another big focus for the weekend, RJ, was your man's, Fernando Alonso, in what would be his f 311th and probably final Grand Prix. Um, he said it would be his last Grand Prix mm. for now. I don't know if he's coming back, I'll be honest, because when he comes back in 2020, where is there going to be room for Fernando right. Alonso? Where is there going to be room for a 39-year-old mm. driver who hasn't won since 2013, though not necessarily through any fault of his own, and who is probably having a lot more fun doing other mm. stuff? Yeah. Let's yeah, begin think some people who come back would be coming back. We'll talk about that later in the show. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting much out of Alonso's last race. The McLaren's bad. The car looked good because they painted a, uh, the, uh, the engine cover up at his helmet, mm. which looked really nice. I was just hoping, like, you know, maybe, maybe salvage a point out of this. Maybe get in the Q2, which he did. Um, he did that. You know, he came close to points. I love the fact, by the way, that he cut the cut one of the chicanes every time for the last three laps and got and got penalized each <laughs> three time five second time penalties because he clearly doesn't. What are they gonna do? Give him a grid penalty? <laughs> that is a man who clearly no longer gives a fuck, and I love that his his own engineer mentioned, "Hey, Alonso, you have one thousand seven hundred ninety nine career points. Let's make it a nice round eighteen hundred. Alonso cuts the chicane three times over. 
Not a single fuck was given. Which is ironic, because I think Fernando would be exactly the sort of guy who would care about the exact, the exact number of points he would have. Because I remember it once in, I think it was India 2012, he broke the all-time F1 points record and put 1571 on his helmet. That is exactly the sort of thing Alonso would care about, and now he's cutting chicanes. Stop lying to me, Nando, okay? Stop goddamn lying to us all. <laughs> but, uh, I just... I thought that was kind of hilarious, but uh, God bless him. I mean, we've got, to talk, we've got to talk about the end of the race a little bit. Hey, 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 hey fellas, because you know, we saw at the end, you know, the, oh, the yeah. formation fly. I mean, we got, we got donuts at turn eight from, uh, from Hamilton and Vettel's side by side, which was a nice touch. And then Fernando would caught up and join them. So for what could very well be the final time, uh, the holy trinity of this era of, of F1, Lewis Hamilton... Sebastian Vettel and Fernando Alonso running side by side um, along the back of Abu Dhabi, and then they would come out to the to the home straight. They didn't even bother going into the pits. They would go onto the main straight. They would all do donuts together. You are looking at tw- eleven of the last fourteen World Championships that have been won by those three men, and uh, yeah. It's uh, it was an emotional moment, and it was a for me at least it was genuinely a really touching moment to see the the three of them together, and just the universal respect for Fernando as well coming. I mean, they gave him they gave him a podium esque interview afterwards. Um, there was hugs all round. It was a it was a very nice scene, and uh, I mean, King is like this kind of feels like the end of an era a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, uh... a little bit. Not really. We're starting. Because... It's the start of the end of an era, you might say. That's yeah, that's because a it, yeah. seemingly Vettel and Hamilton are going to be along around for a bit longer, at least mm. two or three years. Uh, yeah, we're going to have exciting new talent, like a wave of exciting new talent coming into the series next year. Oh lord! Uh, we have great talent in the se- great young talent in the series now being put in positions where they can win races possibly championships so yeah you could say it's the start of an end of an era i guess you could say that you know i mean i had another one of those like existential crises points earlier on twitter this afternoon when somebody pointed out on the f1 subreddit literally half the grid is 25 or less next year Antonio Giovinazzi is the middle child in the grid in terms of if you lined up the median average and lined up everybody in the in the grid in age order, Antonio Giovinazzi would be in the middle and he's twenty five. Um, yeah. Half the grid is twenty five or less. That is uh, terrifying. Yeah. What? Uh, like I would say, even ten years ago, that'd be insane. Ten years ago, uh, what the average was like twenty eight, twenty nine. Yeah, I remember how stunning it was that Sebastian Vettel got his first F1 drive at 20, that Jackson Button became a full-time driver at 20, that Fernando Alonso debuted as a 19-year-old. Yeah, yeah, times have changed. Lando Norris was like a month away from being the first 2000s-born F1 driver. And to put into perspective, like... Like I even I think even two years ago on this very podcast I remember saying to King that like the the average was Hulkenberg, he was the yeah. line of the average because his 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 age, which back then was twenty nine, 
Um, that was that was the average age of the grid, and I think it's now 26, I want to say. I think it's 26 or 27 now. I've not done the exact maths on that yet, but I want to say it's now gone down by two years, despite the fact we've got a near 40-year-old in the grid Joining next year. the grid? Yeah, we have, we, and we have th <laughs> Robert Kubica joining us next year, who's going to be 34 next week. Um, so... Yeah, this is but this is yeah, crazy. Robert's not even close to being the oldest guy in the field. No, because Raikkonen's forty next year. Like Jesus Christ. Um, so yeah, existential crisis for everybody involved. Like I mentioned it as well. Like like another example that Kevin Walsh brought out. Hi Kevin. Um, I know listen to every, every show. Checo, another guy that's now been around for donkeys years, and he is in the two hundred club for races at the end of next season. Like if he, he if, is twenty nine next year, <laughs> he's going to be in the two hundred club next year. How crazy is that? If F one, if the if the next two F one seasons, which as it stands probably will, if they both have twenty one races next year, Checo's two hundredth race will be the season finale in Abu Dhabi in twenty twenty because that would be number two hundred. He's he's at one hundred and fifty eight right now. And Checo debuted in what, 2011? Like, yes, that 2011 was his first season. The only race he's missed was uh, was Monaco, I believe, in his rookie year, and Canada. Yeah, and just just those two. Only five guys in the field debuted before 2010, and that's Kimi, Seb, Lewis, um, Robert Kubica, who's now back, even though he missed seven years of racing, and technically speaking, Romain Grosjean debuted before then as well. It's funny how these things turn out. So yeah, hope everybody feels old again, as if Channel 2 didn't do that enough last week. Yeah, so thanks everybody. What have we done with our lives? <laughs> like seriously, <laughs> what have we done? Um, I'm, I'm too poor, too unfit, and have too much of a self-preservation instinct to have ever gotten into racing. I'll just talk about it instead and pretend like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you guess you got the handsome bit down, RJ. It's all good. Like, uh, yes. yeah, we need the eye candy. Apparently, it's very important for a podcast. Um, so rounding off the podium. Max Verstappen, another very solid drive from Max in third. Um, shout out to Red Bull for the fastest pit stop of the weekend. One of the fastest of the year, 2.08 on Max on that one as well. So shout out to Red Bull on that one. Um, he completed the podium in third. Daniel Ricciardo was right behind him in fourth in what would be his final race for Red Bull Racing. and uh, Yeah. The Ricardo was on a was on a winning strategy. If this rain that it comes spitting mm. down toward the end of the race, because there was a chance of rain, and Ricardo was just staying out there, staying out there before pitting, and ultimately, you know, everybody else called his bluff. Ricardo had a pit. He ended up finishing behind Verstappen. But that was a good, solid way to... It was a good, solid, serviceable way to end the time at Red Bull. Indeed, and whoop, was I just like headbutting my own microphone there for a second? That's that's clever of me. Um, <laughs> that in, Lewis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can keep that in. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there was a very nice radio message on the end from uh, Christian Horner at the end saying thank you for 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 the last seven years, because he's the longest tenured Red Bull driver, Red Bull backed driver of them all. 
He's done seven years in total with with the outlet in some capacity, whether it be Toro Rosso or Red Bull. And I uh, mentioned in the seven wins he had with the team, the countless podiums and the happy memories. And uh, I love that he also called his race engineer a dickhead on the way back to the box. I thought that was quite funny. I was like, that, that is peak Daniel Ricciardo right there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, another another end of an era sort of moment at Red Bull is Daniel Ricciardo, the, the, the veteran of the Red Bull factory department, which is a weird thing to say, um, goes on to Renault next year alongside Nico Hülkenberg. And, boy, that's an exciting-looking team, if ever I say so. King, I have a question for you. And I think you know what I think, I think you know what it is. No, I don't. What's up with your jets? Uh... <laughs> that you weren't expecting that one, were you? <laughs> no. But uh, also, what's up with your man's? Um, Valtteri in fifth. Um, I, I've also, if I'm not mistaken, that's his fourth, fifth place finish in the last five rounds. It's his seventh P2 finish this year. The new record for the most second place finishes without taking a win in a season. Jesus! <laughs> and to be fair, you know, we'll talk about this as well. Like, when Valtteri's been good, Valtteri should have won at least three races. Probably Valtteri's four. Valtteri's been bad. He's looked average, and it kind of looks like the car's doing a lot of the hefty lifting. I don't get it. King, speak now for the hold your peace. There. <laughs> King's on strike. <laughs> um, no, but I don't know where I'm sitting. I mean, that is crazy to finish second in a season seven times and not win. And I'm... I, I did a little mini Q&A on Twitter on Monday, the day after um, the day after the Grand Prix. And the, the first two questions I got were both, were both along the lines that I think I want to say shout-outs to Joe McMillan, who tweeted me one of them, and I can't remember who gave me the other one. I've forgotten your name. I apologize. Forgive me on that. But uh, it was mentioned, like, like what has Valtteri been unlucky, or was it all is it all on him, or is it down to the car? And I said to him, bit of both. Um, and I said that in the sense of, like, it's obvious. Like, like it's a tale of two seasons for me, because Valtteri has been... Like, up until about Germany, I thought he was really strong. You know, was yeah. he was going blow for blow with Lewis. He was out-qualifying him on occasion. You know, he should have won. in Like, he was very unlucky not to win in China after the badly timed safety car where, where Bottas was leading that race. They're, they're going past the start finish, and then there's a safety car, and Red Bull can jump on it and, and box their cars, and that's yeah. what robbed him. Yeah. He was probably a lap short in Bahrain of winning that one. He ran out of road more than anything yeah. else. Um, you know, Baku. Yeah. Baku was, Baku was oh. the backbreaker to have a comfortable lead after Vettel had overshot the corner. I'm sorry. He had overshot the corner, and then the, the damn tire blows up. By the time he got asked to pull over at Russia for Lewis Hamilton, it felt like he had just been resigned to his fate. Yeah, it, it looked like... You know, like You summed it up better in the Discord than I could, RJ. Russia looked like resignation. and Because that's the thing. Like, okay, mathematically speaking, of course it made total sense to swap the cars over in Russia. But, uh, yeah. it would, not only would it have given Hamilton another extra you know, seven points to work with, it would have also would have put him at two races clear with count back in hand as well. It was basically a free yeah. race. It was a free race cushion with only five to go. It totally made sense. But man, in the spirit of, of common sense, Valtteri has been so unlucky to go winless. 
But at the same time, the second half of the year has not been good. There's no way of getting around that. And yeah, four, four no. straight fifth places to close the year. Um, it's not pretty. Yeah, there are a lot of teams that would kill for four straight fifth place finishes. <laughs> the luxury in it. Jeez. For Mercedes, that's just the minimum job requirement. Yeah, and as we'll and get out of all that, he had two fastest race laps. Yeah, the speed is there. There's no doubt about it. The speed is there. He had seven fastest laps this year. Seven. Jesus. Yes. Time trial god, Valtteri Bottas. Um, he's that guy. He's in Raikkonen in 2008 mode. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Um, but yeah, I don't want to talk about it too much because they'll we'll, we'll bring this up a lot more in our season review in probably about a week and a half's time, so stay tuned for more on that. But in the, in the meantime... Uh, Let's just say, if, if Twitter has anything to go by, a lot of people have question marks about Valtteri's future, especially given a certain Esteban Ocon is literally reserve driver next year and is going to be eyeing that seat up. No doubt about that. Especially when you look at the scoreboard and our final standards, which we'll get to a little bit later on in the show. But uh, yeah, not the happiest of times of Valtteri there in a pretty subpar fifth. Shout out to Formula 1.5 race winner Carlos Sainz Jr., ladies and gentlemen, in sixth place. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so he, and um, well, by the way, I know he he, he he was due a good weekend. He really was, to be fair. But really another, I think, spectacular weekend for one Charles Leclerc as well to wrap up the year. Um, qualifying, kids. Um, good lord. Um, like. P5 in Q2, I think eventually, I think 8th on the grid in the end, another Q3, another... He was sending purple sectors out there on occasion, like... Yeah. Purple sectors in a sour. Like, at the, at the start of the season, when he got that, uh, when he got that top 10 finish in Baku, we thought it was a miracle. By the end of the season, it was just like, this is the normal for Sauber. Yeah, this this, this, and this is Sauber now. He was so good that he almost overhauled Force India for seventh in the championship by himself. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy just how good Leclerc was at the end of the year. As Kyle mentioned, he was fourth on the opening lap from eighth on the grid, passing Red Bulls out there, as one does. Um, Charles is quite the boy. Uh, I will say that much as well. But uh, what a lad! What a lad! Uh, mentioning Carter Sainz again here, his teammate wasn't quite so lucky on this occasion. Um, on that same opening lap, uh, oh boy, uh, he and Grosjean run side by side through turns eight and nine. Grosjean goes very narrow over the sausage curb on the apex. Um, Hulkenberg has already claimed the corner and they collide. And in an impression of Esteban Gutierrez at Bahrain a couple of years ago, Guess who ends up overturned and in the wall? That's right. Holy fuck, I'm hanging here like a cow, is the direct quote from Nico Hulkenberg's radio. We have a winner for Radio Quote of the Year, ladies and gentlemen, Nico Hulkenberg in an abattoir. I think the term he was looking for for, was cow's udder. Oh, King is fired. Um, (laughs) Oh, dear. uh, Don't worry. Germany's number one race car driving frat boy was okay. Uh, He was (laughs) able to get out of his stricken Renault RS18. But, of course, it, it sparked a debate because it took a little bit longer for him to get out because uh, because of that of that thing that's hanging over his cockpit. Um, I think it was more to do with the fact he was literally perched against the wall 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that too. That's also that's also a mitigating factor. A big mitigating factor. Because <sighs> what? Didn't that happen to Pascal Verlein a couple years ago? With, yeah. I mean, last year without the Halo? Exactly what I was going to mention. Uh, you, you just you stole it from me, King. That's exactly what I was going to mention. Pascal Verlein and Monaco when Button flipped him against the wall without a Halo, no less, and it took them ages to get Verlein out of that car then, too. Uh, I get it. Hulkenberg has been anti-Halo from day one, so of course that debate's going to kick up again. So, you know, guys, the Halo isn't the problem. The fact that the wall was there was the problem. But, uh, hey, you know, halo this, halo that. Um, oh, boy. Uh, also, another little sad um, end of a kind of era moment. Kimi Raikkonen, sigh. Power failure in his Ferrari on lap six, I believe it was. Just The car just completely yeah. died on him, and he had to park it on the home straight, which brought out the virtual safety car, which would lead to Hamilton's victory, basically. Um, but yeah, the Raikkonen's final race for Ferrari um, ends in a power failure, the most Kimi Raikkonen way possible. He was he was he was out back in he was going back to the hotel mere minutes afterwards, like it was Abu Dhabi twenty thirteen all over again. <laughs> uh, dear. If anyone jokes about an ice cream, I will cut you. Um, <laughs> same thing happened to Marcus Ericsson as well. Yeah, same thing happened to Marcus. Um... Esteban Oka in his last race for Force India blew up uh, spectacularly with an oil leak. And so too did Pierre Gasly, but Gasly wasn't so keen to stopping. He was willing to drive the car for as long as he could until they literally had to tell him to stop. He was like, Gasly was like, is it on fire? Is it on fire? Know that I'm going to keep driving. <laughs> I need a bit of foreshadowing. Hopefully not foreshadowing for 2019. Max Verstappen was blinded by by Honda oil spraying out of the back. Oh goodness, yeah, car. yeah, that was the thing we missed about Verstappen. He was driving in the race half blind. One, that's a, that's that's uh, it's really dangerous, but also kind of hilarious. And two, he and Ocon got into another on track fight in the early stages of that race, and oh it was my great. God, they did, and it was it was like yeah. everyone was like, oh, hang on. Get out the popcorn, lads. It's Ocon versus Verstappen. Ah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Ocon, Ocon, to his credit, he did not lay down. He was repassing him in DRS mm-hmm. zones. He only... Um, once once Verstappen was able to break cleanly ahead with a, uh, with a very forceful pass at turn five, shall we say... He didn't bump him. He didn't wreck him. But he kind of moved him out of the way to use a NASCAR Ran him off the road. Yeah. But that's legal now, so fuck it. Who cares, right? <laughs> the whole, the whole, you know, give a car length space thing is clearly like that rule is on fire somewhere in the Abu Dhabi car park. You didn't have to specify which car. A PLP fifty is a car. Mm. <laughs> Technically, you are right. Um, and it was enough. One of those Max Verstappen like. I'm going to make you choose whether or not we have this accident moment. Um, and uh, that was the outcome. Ocon eventually gave way on, on that one. But uh, hey, the DRS zones and the way it all panned out was actually pretty neat in that sense because we got some nice little back and forth fights in there. Did anyone else see the uh, yeah. Grosjean, Verstappen, Ocon freeway that we had there as well where Van Dorn took two? Oh, yes, that was good. <laughs> yes, Stoffel Van Dorn. On his way out, on his way out, proving that he wasn't going to lie down for anybody. 
taking two and one two and one sequence of corners. That was delicious. Awesome. Brilliant racing there. Yeah. Yeah. This was a race that had the streak on the line. I may have explained to you Abu Dhabi on years trash. Abu Dhabi and even years. We've had we've had three championship deciding races and a twenty twelve race where Tammy won and Vettel charged his way back from twenty fourth to third. That was at least somewhat entertaining. Mm. So this was the year that the streak was on the line. And I gotta say, and maybe I may be grading on a little bit of a curve, but uh the streak is still alive. Yeah. No It's gonna come crashing down. Probably. But uh that, that was a good Grand Prix. Like there was there was very little wrong with that Grand Prix. There was some good back and forth fights up through the field. Um a little bit of intrigue in terms of strategy, just enough retirements to make it quite spicy. Um, good on track racing there. The DRS zones were very, very well done in that sense this time around. Even we had even guys, yeah, guys like Sorokin taking taking moves at turn one for crying out loud. So clearly, people were feeling racy out here. So yeah, I agree. So I, I, I would give it seven Will Smith anecdotes out of ten. I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty good Grand Prix by all accounts. Um, and yeah, pretty much a story of the 2018 season in general. Just a lot of middling to good races, and hey, that's that's enough a lot of the time. That is. That is enough. Um, the final standings for this race before we get into the final championship standings. Lewis Hamilton wins his 73rd career Grand Prix. 73. Dear Lord. Um, ahead of Sebastian Vettel, two and a half seconds back in second. The way the season played out. Max Verstappen third. Um, it took up about 10 seconds further back down the road. Had one of the fastest laps of the Grand Prix, but still finished 10 seconds behind the Ferrari. How does that work? Ugh, Red Bull are weird. Yeah, Verstappen third, Ricardo fourth, Valtteri Bottas in fifth, who ended up finishing 30 seconds back from Ricardo because he had to stop twice. He butchered his tyres. Sigh. Carlos Sainz wins the Formula 1.5 race in sixth. Uh, a minute and 12 behind the winner, as you do. Charles Leclerc in seventh place. Chiki Checo in eighth for Force India. Romain Grosjean in ninth, and Kevin Magnussen rounds off the points in 10th. Has gets both cars in on the final round of the championship. Fernando Alonso, glacias my friend, in 11th place. Driver of the day in his final Grand Prix. Brendan Hartley in 12th in what's probably going to be his final Grand Prix. More on that in the news section. Lance Stroll in 13th place in probably what will be his final race for Williams. Again, new section. See if you can spot a pattern here. Stoffel Van Dorn in 14th place. You, 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 know, you, you already know that one already. Sergey Yeah. <laughs> see, you, see you in Saudi Arabia. Um, Sergey Sorokin in 15th. No, really. See you in the news section. It's a kind of a big one, this one. Um, and and Sorokin was the last man on track. Five retirements. Pierre Gasly, as mentioned, and, and Esteban Ocon, both with engine respective failures and oil leak in Esteban's case. Marcus Ericsson, um, Kimi Raikkonen had power failures in their cars. And Nico Hulkenberg didn't make it past turn nine. Apparently, he's, they've only just got his car the right side up again. Um, so, well, on, that, on that note, and <clears throat> I'm going to take a deep breath for this one because this is your final 2018 Drivers Championship standing. Sebastian Vettel second. Sigh. Lewis Hamilton is your champion in 2018. With a new Formula 1 points record. 408 points scored. Beat Seb's record of 397. Although I will say in his defence. Seb did it with 19 rounds. Lewis with 21. So ha! <laughs> Nuance. It's important kids. Yeah. Sigh. Sebastian Vettel in second on 320 points, 88 behind in the end. For all those mistakes, I really don't think it would have made any difference in the end. But hey, 
What can you do? Some, and in the fight for the bronze medal, Kimi Raikkonen takes it by two points despite a DNF uh, during the final round in Abu Dhabi. He has 251 um, on, on that one. Ahead, two points ahead of Max Verstappen, who was on a rampage in the second half of the year, but just ran out of, ra- ran out of laps in the end. Um, 249 for fourth. And uh, yes, that is a Mercedes fifth in the championship, Valtteri Bottas on 247 points. Oh boy. Um, Yeah, there's going to be alarm bells ringing in that Mercedes camp if Charles Leclerc is anything like advertised next year. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo kind of in no man's land in sixth place on 170. We all know the reasons why for that one. Um, But uh, yeah, he's, he's got a 101 point nice advantage on what we call the independent category <laughs> but, uh, the shut- winner of the uh, the winner of the colin chapman trophy the winner of the jim clark trophy for 2018 <laughs> nico hulkenberg is your formula 1.5 champion we are going to make this a thing if the sport is going to be this disjointed we are going to make this a thing nico you finally got a major honor um besides that lamon win but uh, yes, Nico Hulkenberg wins the Formula 1.5 championship with 69 nice points. Um, very nice indeed. Hulkenberg wins the Formula 1.5 title ahead of Sergio Perez, who made a late push but couldn't quite get there on 62 points. Kevin Magnussen um, with 56 points in ninth. Carlos Sainz Jr. on 53 points in, to round off the top 10. Ed Fernando Alonso on 50, who didn't score a point for the last six rounds. Esteban Ocon 12th on 49. Charles Leclerc in 13th place for Sauber, which is a hell of an effort, and three straight 7th place finishes to end the year. Well done, Charles, there. 13 39 points ahead of Romain Grosjean. He, he outscored a Haas. That's impressive work from Charles. That really is. Um, Grosjean on 37 points. Pierre Gasly on 29 in 15th place. Stoffel van Dorn in 16th uh, with 12. Marcus Eriksson with 9. Lance Stroll with 6. Brendan Hartley um, with 4 points in 19th place. And Sergei Sorokin rounding off the total list on 1 point. Which means, for the first time in F1 history, every driver that took part in the championship scored a point there you go ladies and gentlemen uh, everybody's a winner exactly 20 drivers who started the season and all of them were there right to the very end yeah the end of year class photo was exactly the same as the start of year photo that's actually kind of a rare thing in f1 these days uh, <laughs> i love that that uh, charles in this one goes score a <laughs> that's a nice touch um manufacturers championship standings mercedes of course the constructors champions again for the fifth straight year 655 points in the end they would finish 84 points ahead of Ferrari on 571, Red Bull in third on 419, then it's a it's a long way back. But congratulations to the best of the rest award winners, Renault, in fourth with 122. In fourth in the end, a big improvement from their sixth place last year. So well done, Renault. Best of the rest this year. So sadly, Racing Point Force India has been dethroned. Long live the king. Um, Haas... Their best ever season in F1 since coming in, 
They're fifth overall with 93 points. And given that is their only their third ever season, that is a hell of an effort from Haas to crack the top five, given they were eighth last year. So, And how much more would they have had? Had they not just had, had they not just been able to get the tires on both their cars in Melbourne? Mm-hmm. They would have actually given Renault a really good run for fourth if it weren't for that. The two disqualifications didn't help either. Um, but uh, yeah, 93 points for Haas. Again, like their best ever finish. McLaren has come out here and stolen sixth place. Heist of the century! <laughs> Heist of the century! <laughs> Scoring points in 8 out of their first 10 cars sure as hell helps, but McLaren 62 points overall, despite only scoring 4 points in the last 6 weekends, they still steal 6th place, with 62 points total in the end. Racing Point Force India, who technically didn't start a race until Belgium, has 52 points in 7th, and they very nearly got reeled in in the end by... Basically, Sauber, who, with Charles Leclerc putting the entire team on his back, um, with six points finishes in the last seven rounds. Charles Leclerc and the Sauber team in eighth with 48, which is still a monumental improvement on last year. So, well done, Sauber, for that one there to get to eighth place and very nearly seventh in the context of the championship there. Toro Rosso ended up sinking to ninth in the end on 33 points. Hopefully, Honda will give the big boys more to play with next year. And of course, sadly, Williams, bottom of the field, seven points scored total. Only three of their 42 cars over the course of the year scored points in any capacity. That will do it for your 2018 Formula One season. We will be back in about a week and a half or two weeks or so time with our full F1 season review. We'll go team by team again like we've done for the last three years uh, as we wrap up the 2018 season. So look forward to that um, in a couple of weeks' time. In the meantime, RJ, tell us a little bit about NXT TakeOver. <laughs> NXT TakeOver, Yas Marina. <laughs> and to be fair, we were all there watching the feature. Oh, we were. Time. We were on, on, on our Discord. It was a great time. Oh my goodness, yeah. Um, this was going to be the coronation ceremony. Everybody at King's Lynn was having a good time. <laughs> what are they, what are they, I'm not a Londoner. Can you, can anyone explain to me what they do for fun in King's Lynn? Um, deal weed? <laughs> oh my god. Look, look, honestly, it's a West London thing too, trust me. <sighs> Let's just say it's very cultural. <laughs> Agricultural. <laughs> Let's just say, shout out to Kevin again, who had arguably the tweet of the year when George Russell is coming over to celebrate the title, and it's like King's Lynn is going crazy, and it is literally a gif of black people tweeting up like home brandished liquor. It's fantastic. <laughs> Look, let's just say King's Lynn is very um cultural and. I want to I want to give a hilarious shout out to. I know he's listening in right now, Henry. I know I, I know you're listening in right now, man. But your line about George Russell looking like a Tory voter was hilarious. <laughs> I died listening to that first time round. But... Oh my god! Yeah. Oh no! I, I think I'm. I think I might have co-opted that as well. <laughs> you people are heathens. Both of you, heathens. But uh, no, George Russell took the feature race victory um, on that one from pole position 
to for his eighth win of the year and adds his name to the list of um, brilliant Formula Two champions. I think I think the fourth rookie champion, RJ. I want to say. Yeah, here are here are the here are the rookie champions since two thousand and five when we rebooted Formula Three thousand into GP two, which has now become Formula Two. They are Formula One world champion Nico Rosberg, five time Formula One world champion Lewis Hamilton, uh, two thousand and fifteen twenty four hours of Le Mans winner Nico Hulkenberg, sports top prospect Charles Leclerc, and now George Russell. That's good company to solid be club, solid club, and. Yeah, don't let that don't let the side down, George. <laughs> he's a good boy, George. And he hey, he supports Manchester United, so he's already used to pain. The nature so you know, he's he's clearly already ready to go to be able to drive for drive a Williams, no problem at all. Like any guy Oh, he's got his he's got his helmet ready, he's got his number picked out, everything. Oh his helmet he, his new helmet is such a corporate design. He's running a Williams branded it helmet. It sucks. Like I am not even gonna lie to you here, man. It's like <laughs> I love the I love the logo and the fact it meshes into the sixty three really nicely. I love that part. But it's got the classic Williams like X Martini like bands over the top and it ruins it. Like like ugh, ugh. It's not very nice at all. But hey, George Russell is out there to test his car this weekend. Yeah. George Russell bossed that. He race. did. Artem Markolov made it fun. Doesn't Markolov always make it fun? Be a... <laughs> yeah, and this was going to be, you know, kind of his valiant last stand, you know, because it's because he's not coming back to Formula 2 next year. We don't know what his future holds, but Artem Markolov made a hell of a job in second place ahead of Luca Giotto. And uh, who that race started off interesting, didn't it? <laughs> Real uh, interesting. Yeah, it, it's never a good sign when Charlie Whiting has to duck in 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 case of flying debris off the line because uh, Nicholas Latifi had his career high um, qualifying of second place. He was on the front row of the grid. He stalls it, and like ninety percent of the field gets around it. Unfortunately, I want to say it was Arjumaini that ended up. Arch yeah. and Miney just couldn't get around him in time and just can yeah. catapulted off the rear um, of uh, Nicholas Latifi's car. So both of them, again, Charlie Watton had to duck. I think it was Fukuzumi. Uh, I think it was uh, Fukuzumi. Nirei Fukuzumi, Fukuzumi uh, caught a little bit of it and it uh, just uh, clipped enough of his suspension to cause a terminal yeah. retirement. Dude, we had we ran like half of this race under under safety car. Yeah, like like the first six laps were all under safety car, and it was screaming for a red flag. They were running laps for no reason. Um, two other guys stalled it on the line as well because uh, Sergio Sete Camera and Championship contender Alex Albon both stole both stalled their cars as well. They were able to get them going again, but they were both the best part of a lap down by the time the race restarted. Yeah. So. When when Alex Albin saw that was the title decider right there. Albin had already given up four points just by not winning pole and George Russell mm-hmm. winning pole. Uh, when he stalled it, that was just like, well, that's it, that's done. Yeah, the fact they've given out four points for opposition made made all those like what if end of season championship permutations tables really fucking confusing. <laughs> yeah, because he needs to have basically have two yeah, sets. Yeah, really, really. Oh, that's annoying. I hate math, um, even though I'm really good at it. But still, um, yeah, like I said, they were both able to get their cars going, but they're both the best part of a lap down. And besides that, it looked like Luca Giotto might have actually stolen that one. Um, and it, it, Because the thing, they ran so many laps under the safety car that it ended up being a time-decided race because they couldn't get the full distance in. Um, so we had a clock on the top instead. 
Giotto still had to run his mandatory stop. And of course, he was making about four or five seconds on the last two or three laps of the race when he got into the faster compound tyre. Dot, dot, dot. However, he also had a five-second time penalty for cutting the chicane. God damn it, Luca. <laughs> he would have won the race if it weren't for that. Um... Excellent drive, um, but still, like it was only excellent and not quite sublime. But uh, hey, Luca on the podium, which was a hell of a job from him. And yeah, as RJ mentioned, uh, Markov making it very much fun as well in second place, as well in what would be his final GP2 we slash F2 weekend before moving on to hopefully other things because well, we all know something. Please, something, Please. anything. You know that that would be nice. Just just throwing that out there. Um, sprint race, Antonio Fuoco won that one. Yay! Pretty much, pretty much led it wire to wire. And, uh, that sprint race was also key for second in the championship because Lando Norris finished second. Albon followed up his 14th place finish with an eighth. So, Norris got second place in the championship ahead of Albon. <laughs> yep. 219 to 212. Yikes. Uh, oh dear. That's a bit harsh for old Alex, but um, I don't think he's going to be complaining too much about that. It gets better. Listen on mm -hmm. the show. Yeah, so yeah, Fuoco, Norris, and Roberto Mehi on the podium as well in the sprint race. GP3 real quick, RJ? Yeah, um, uh, admittedly we haven't been best at keeping track with what is soon to be the International Formula 3 Championship. They have a new car, they unveiled it, it has a halo, it's got the GP3 power plant in it. It looks nice. And your final GP3 Series champion under its guise is Renault Junior Driver, Renault Affiliated, Antoine Hubert, who finished on the podium in the feature race to wrap up the title for ART Grand Prix. Goodness gracious, ART have just run trade over that series. Mm -hmm. uh, Leonardo Pulcini won the feature race. Uh, and Nikita Mazepin, who took a time penalty, probably took him out of the contention for the Feaster race win, won the sprint race after American Juan Manuel Correa picked up a time penalty that took him out of contention with the sprint. Sigh. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you know what they say about Formula 3, though? Build it and they will come. We'll probably be keeping a closer eye on that next year. So uh, mm -hmm. we can look forward to some of that. NXT TakeOver there for you there, folks. And another fun show, as always. I really should watch more races on Discord next year. Um, that was fun. Everyone, watch more uh, Formula 2. Yes. Yes, please. More of that. Yeah. Cause that, more that, of that in the news. More, because big things in Formula 2 next year. Oh, we got things happening everywhere. <laughs> Everything. All of the news. So let's leave Abu Dhabi and uh, the Formula 1 season for now for a couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, after this quick musical break, the news. RJ, tell the people what they want to hear. Go on. Listen, um, we're accepting all boarding passes. Uh, please be sure to have your boarding passes out because the train's departing from the station. Deep down south, yo, we play this game. It's Robert Kubica. He's leading the hype train. Robert Kubica's back. Oh, my God. Oh, God. 
Jesus. Oh. Like, it, it was one of those moments where it's like, God, JR, that's Robert's music. <laughs> <laughs> that's Stone Cold's music, and he's brought the beer truck out with him. It's like, oh no. This is going to end in disaster. And uh, yeah, Bobby K is back. After seven years on the bench, um, Robert is back. Um, he'll be 34 next week. And he will be back with the Williams Racing Team full-time alongside George Russell, which means we we now are up to 19 confirmed names for the F1 grid next year with number 20 all but confirmed. But again, more on that in a bit. Lots. <coughs> 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 um, but um, yes, Bobby K is back. And um, King, how do we feel about this? Uh, the same way I feel like... The same way I feel about any long returning... WWE prospect back to WWE TV where it's like I really enjoyed you in your prime now might not be the best time and this not might not be the best situation for you to even shine right now yeah it's yeah. go on go on before we get to that let's let's just fill you in on what had happened to Robert Kubica Robert Kubica may have been one of the best young drivers in the sport from a period about late 2006 to 2010 he won yeah. for BMW Sauber. He had him leading in the championship. And of course, uh, came back from that horrendous crash in Canada in 2007 to win there in 2008. Um, he switched to Renault in 2010 and had some pretty good results, including qualifying second and finishing third at Monaco in a car that really had no business being that high up there. Mm. He was set to drive for what was now going to be called Lotus F1, Lotus Renault, in 2011. He was fastest in the final test in Valencia. And then he went to the Ronde Diodora rally. And then his and then his piece of armco pierced the front of his Skoda Fabia, um, basically mangling his right hand and arm. To the point where now it was pretty much a done deal that he would never race in Formula One again. Robert didn't stop racing. He went ahead and attacked rallying for a couple of years, even won the yeah. WRC two title before washing out of the main game. He did some endured sports car races. He was lined up to drive for Baikal's LMP1 team in 2017. But then Robert had a better idea. He realized he thought, maybe I could give this F1 thing another shot. A Renault test led to a couple more tests that led to a Williams development drive that almost led to a race seat. And now, Robert Kubica, at 34 years of age, after suffering what should have been career-ending injuries, is back. It's 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 crazy. It's like it, I mean, it's beyond belief. It's it's Hollywood. It is Hollywood in a nutshell. Not, not, what, someone's gonna make a movie on this one day. I, I guarantee you that. It, it's Hollywood that uh, after seven years and you know, and I'm not gonna pretend like I'm excited for this because yeah, because we need to look at the other side of the coin in the situation. It's with Williams. The team he's stepping into. They are the tenth best team out of ten. Yes. The, and and that's the thing. Low key, Sergey Sorokin put in a lot of good work towards the end of this year. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, out qualified Stroll over the season as well. Um, yeah, twelve to eight. Twelve to was eight. The score in which they both set a time. Indeed, and uh, yeah, like Sorokin was the nice combination of well funded and actually pretty good in the car too. You put in some good work, and according to everyone I know, 
Sorokin was well in favor at Williams. They liked him there. He was he was grafting. Um, he was hardworking. He was always very loyal. He would always give presents oh, to yeah. his to his crew. He was, he, yeah. by all accounts, seemingly a a model employee and, a, by all accounts, a real nice guy. In and in, still just twenty three. And I don't even think there's a really up to him because uh, yeah. S and P Bank and S and P Racing, by extension, they have much bigger problems. That's why they decided that they were going to break away with Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the American sanctions came down hard. Yeah, yeah. which is a real shame for. Sorokin again who had a really solid first rookie season in the context of what was going on around him um financial future up in the air williams not being a very good team you know high you know high profile very well funded and just be honest slightly spoiled rich boy in lance stroll as a teammate um <laughs> who, he, who people were leaning towards at the time and so rockin put in some very good work and it's i i'm actually kind of gutted that he's missed out on a seat i, I am too and i think if it had been for what people, I think, were wanting it to be, which was Esteban Ocon, I think we would have been a lot more understanding given, well, we know... Ocon's a known quantity, and we know that he is a brilliant young driver. Yeah. But for Robert Kubica, who's not been in a single-seater full-time for seven years, it's it's not a nice look. Um, yeah, it doesn't come off the same way. It doesn't. It's It's... You, you make the more cynical claims about this move when it's Robert as opposed to Esteban, because let's be real here, we're fans, we, we, I've, I've said it before, I'll, I'll say it again, we use the term pay driver with people we don't like. When it's... So when, Robert, though, Robert's bringing quite a bit of Skrilla from Poland. Seven million yes. a year, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Though, if I was Williams to make the case for Robert, I... Next year, they're going to need someone who has experience with last year's car. They're not going to have Lance Stroll. Uh, they can't keep Sergei Sorotkin. Uh, Robert was their test and reserve driver for you know this yeah. recently concluded mm-hmm. season. Uh, Williams are actually in a position to improve next year. Because yeah, they can't get the, any worse. Yeah, they can't get any worse. And yes, they did have... A pretty much an exodus of their technical staff. Thankfully, most of that was earlier in the year, so their new staff has had pretty mm. much the entire development cycle. We didn't even on their own to develop next we, year's we car. We didn't even mention Rob Smedley's leaving that team. Now done with Williams as well. Yes. He's moving on. He's going to be stepping away from stepping away from full time race duties. We're going to have a big one for Williams as well. Smedley's a big, big, mm. big figure in that team. Big F one paddock guy in general. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Bobby uh, K is back, ladies and gentlemen, and um, I'm, I don't know how I feel about it. Me this. neither. On the one hand, like, yes, yes, you have a 34-year-old 34 34 driver replacing a very good young driver, and, and they're in place of another really, really good young driver that you could have had instead. And this isn't going to instantly make the team better, but at the same point, Williams have nothing else to lose. And now that it's happened, and I say this from the biased perspective of the fact that Robert Kubica was one of my favorite drivers when he was active at F1 at his peak, I'm just like, now that it's here and it's happening, you know, why the hell not? Yeah. I guess. See how this plays yeah, out. Yeah. I, it certainly can't go any worse than the last time a, a driver I really liked came away after a long, way, long, long layoff. So that's one way of looking at it, I suppose. Oh dear. I'm again. I'm not sure how I feel about it in that sense. I mean, 
I've got to be consistent. I've always been the guy that's batted a lot for Esteban Ocon, and I've always been the guy that's batted most for young drivers that seem to seemingly just don't get these opportunities that other guys do. And then Robert Kubica shows up in the year of our Lord 2009 times two. Um, that uh, next week, you know, Robert is back and he's friggin' 34 next week and he's not done this full time for years. It's there's a lot of red flags here about this situation and. There's a lot of question marks over Williams as a team going forward. And as we said, there was potential for them to improve for sure. But, you know, I'm actually gutted that Sorokin's another name on the list of, you know, young drivers that seemingly got chewed up and spat out by the system. Again, not really Sorokin's fault either. It's a shame that he's another statistic in that sense. But uh, in terms of, of, of a personal level and as a personal story, um, good for Robert. It's it's incredible that he's been able to make it back. I mean, that's true grit, determination, and resilience to to make that thing. And um, I wish him the very best at Williams. And, and like, I mean that sincerely because I want to see Williams back up the front again. I mean, it is weird seeing that on paper the two worst teams in F1 right now are McLaren and Williams. I'm not here for that. I don't want that to be a thing <laughs> at all. I want to see them back up the field. Um, so it's like seeing the Lakers and the Celtics play for the lottery each year in the NBA draft. It's <laughs> it's like seeing Lotus in the 90s. It's, it's not nice. And I want to see them up there because, you know what? F1's just a little <laughs> bit cooler when Williams and McLaren are up there. I've missed McLaren yeah. being a top contending team. Like... I grew up a Ferrari fan, and McLaren was that that villain that you that you didn't want them to win, but you always respected them because they all knew they were a brilliant team. And you know, true grit and true gritty and true you know workers workers team. And I want to see him do well. So I hope Robert can lead the charge. And George Russell is a great talent. And I don't want to see him get swamped away by a bad Williams team either. So again, best of luck, Robert. Um, you know, it's one of those things, but. Uh, yeah, let's hope Robert does well on the way back. Now, I said there was 19 seats confirmed for next year. Um, yes. we've, I've mentioned 18 of them. Finally, um, after months, seemingly, of uh, teasing and contract negotiations and Dr. Marco kicking up another fuss, Alex Albon confirmed at Toro Rosso after um, Nissan broke him free from his Formula E contract. Um, can I just say as well, shout out to Formula E for being really salty about him coming out of the series. Did anyone see that press conference? Oh, man. That press release they came out with, it was salty. Oh, it, man. No, like, I think people took it off as being salty. It was them saying that, like, pretty much them explaining that, yeah, Albon's gone, but we have all this other great young talent coming into the series. Yeah, you got Stoffel Van Dorn, my dude. Pascal Verline, you know, jeez. You got Pascal Verline starting after Saudi Arabia, of course. Of course. Um, but, like, you know, Alex Albon confirmed that Toro Rosso. Now, uh, this is awesome. This is fantastic. I mean, we always talk about how, f I mean, I made a big deal about this last year when F2 seemed like a massive fucking bottleneck for talent to get into the big series. Like, this was almost like Moto2 now. And, this is, and I mean this in a good way. First, second, and third in the Formula 2 championship all promoted up into it was Formula. not that long ago it was not that long ago we're not even one of the top three would get into formula one yeah. out of gp2 or formula two now we got all the top three 
Hashtag Brat Pack. The Brat Pack is here. Did you see the picture George Russell put up on his Oh, it was so sweet. Of him and Albon and LeClerc. It was taken <laughs> this past Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But yeah, they were all three of them playing together as children. They've known each other for the majority of their lives at this point and uh they will all be racing in formula one next year and let's not let's not make any mistake this has been a fantastic breakthrough year for alex albon in formula two this year multiple race wins as mentioned third in the championship overall um probably really should have been second if it wasn't for the unfortunate clutch goddamn formula two cars and abu Dhabi and whatnot but um this has been a, a, a great year for Alex Albon. I, I mean, I thought it would have, he would have been an ex, a very exciting pull um, for, you know, Formula E if he'd end up sticking over there. But hey, you know, it's great to see that he's that he's going into Formula 1. And hey, the prediction we all made all those months ago came true, fellas. Pat on the back to us. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you consider that he won the feature race from Pole and Baku, he didn't even have a full-time drive confirmed in that game, damn's car. Yep. He was on a race-to-race -race basis. He didn't sign a full-time deal until after. Until after, and he ended up being a title contender. The title, title contender mathematically all the way down to the last weekend. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, one more. One in Silverstone, one in Hungary, one in Sochi, and... Again, it's it's really awesome. It's also awesome that the fact that, you know, England can claim they got three, but he's going to be the first Thai driver. Um, his parents were Thai. He's going to race with the flag. Yeah, he's, 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 he's the, the second, second Thai, Thai driver. driver in Formula He'll be the one. first one since Prince Bira in 1955. Yep. And, like, breaking down the Brat Pack, we got Albon at 22. We have... George Russell at 20, and Lando Norris at 19. Lando Norris is going to floss on a podium. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. And it, it, uh, I'm hearing strong rumors he's going to take the 46 as well. He's taking Valentino Rossi's number, Lando Norris, apparently. Strong rumors he's taking 46 because Valentino Rossi was his childhood idol. Um, so... Oh, God. So, hey guys, a 46 you could actually like and root for. Isn't that nice? Oh, I'm going to have a bunch of guys in yellow coming after me for that. Um, but but uh, apparently Lando's taking the 46. Uh, rumor has it. It's not been confirmed yet, but I know Luke Smith mentioned it earlier today. that uh, says he hasn't picked his number yet, but he also said that Valentino Rossi was one of his childhood heroes. <laughs> I wonder what number he's going to take. Um, but uh, yeah, Alex Albon at Toro Rosso for next year, as we all already saw in you. Awesome. That's awesome. And uh, bad news, racial draft fans, England, you can't have him. He's racing under the Thailand banner. <laughs> we can't just be adopting every motherfucker that lived in England for a bit, okay? That's not how this works, okay? <laughs> oh, breaking, sorry, breaking news from the English delegate. They have now traded Andy Murray and a third-round pick for Alex Albon. Um, uh, <laughs> Alex Albon now English, Andy Murray now 100% Thai. <laughs> <laughs> more more news as we get it. The racial draft has come through. Where's Dave Chappelle when you need him? Uh, <laughs> uh, all this a very, very satisfying end to what was a messy contract saga. But on the other side of the coin, Brendan Hartley's now out of a job. Sigh. Come on, Nissan. Come on, Nissan. Sign Brendan Hartley. It would Hartley. just make too much sense. It would just make too much sense. It... I have a feeling Brendan Hartley's going to be back in a competitive car at some point. 
hey, you know, we're still pushing the idea that maybe Chip Ganassi should open up a third car for Just him. saying. Uh, can, I, can, I, can I just sort of take, I don't want to take 20 seconds out to say I'm gutted Brendan Hartley didn't work out in Formula 1 because I was really rooting for him. He's yeah, a great true. guy. And his Players' Tribune content and video blogs were fantastic all year long. Like, Brendan was one of the most, like socially active out there f1 drivers i've seen during the social media yeah, right. era period he is exactly the sort of guy you want in formula one because he is giving you behind the scenes yeah, insight right. and knowledge that most drivers would never give the time out to give we look at guys like daniel ricardo and and lewis hamilton as the fan guys i want to give a shout out to brendan hardy because he absolutely fills that bracket too and i don't think we gave him enough credit for that one and I said on Twitter, and I'll, I'll say it again here, I'm gutted it didn't work out for him in F1, but his star always shined brightest outside of Formula 1 anyway. So I know Brendan will be just fine um, in whatever he decides to to be in the future. Um, you know, and as Cam has mentioned 14 times in our Discord, he still has a Porsche contract, apparently. So who knows? He could be in a 911, he could be in a 911 RSR before all we know. Sooner rather than later. I wish. Nothing against GT racing, but please don't go to GT cars, Brent. Right? You know, like, um, I would, I would take that over the alternative of privateer element. Yeah. Mm. That's true. Also true. Um, best of luck, Brendan. The rest of the way, we're gonna miss you. I'm certainly gonna miss you. Speaking of prototype racing, RJ, your man's. We're talking about Fernando Alonso again. Mm, everyone's favorite. We're talking about Fernando Alonso in the context of he's finally confirmed his engine partner. Yes, putting to bed one rumor. Was he going to go race with Honda? Was he going to go race with Chevy uh, after Honda didn't work out in the McLaren divorce? Yeah, he's going to race in Indianapolis 500 with Chevrolet Power. Ooh. The contract doesn't just say Chevrolet. It says he has a partnership with General Motors. Yikes. He's going to drive the Rolex 24 at Daytona with Wade Taylor Racing and their Cadillac DPI. We're out here finding all the new roads. Oof. Oh my god. So it's uh so it's Jordan Taylor, it's Ranger Vanderzanda, and it's Fernando Alonso. Oh. Oh, but wait. Nando wasn't coming alone. Hit that music. Oh my god, is that? Could it be Kamui Kobayashi in there too? Oh. Taylor, Fandersanda, Alonzo, Kobayashi in one car. Oh Jesus. <laughs> decent uh, decent lineup. <laughs> yeah, it's not say, bad. It's, it's not bad. Yeah, you know, you have the reigning Le Mans champion, you have the Le Mans lap record holder, you have a former, you have two people that have won this race, uh, Taylor's won it before, Taylor's a former series champion of Ranger Van Zanda, um, is one of the top stars in IMSA that is not yet a household name. This is awesome. Also, not even mentioned, if you haven't seen Jordan Taylor's hilarious video interview with, um, inverted commas, Fernando yet on his Twitter page... Go out of your way to do so, because um, I, I, we said it before on this show, and we'll say it again. Jordan Taylor might be the funniest man in all of motorsport. 
And that's quite the achievement. Jordan Taylor is I cannot hilarious. Wait for, I cannot wait for Rodney Sandstorm to hand out. Oh, world's largest nut. Oh, yes. That's going to be hilarious. Jordan Taylor is the fucking man. Um, but, uh, yeah, that is going to be awesome. Um, I'm going to be back on the on the Let's Watch the Rolex 24 again wagon like it was a couple of years ago. Because uh, that's going to be a hell of a lineup. That is fun as hell. Um, so, yeah, Alonso, Partnership, General Motors, going back to Rolex, All-Star Team. Um, oh, God, what's not to love here, folks? Motorsport is fun, everybody. 2019 is going to be fun. Uh, Great. Let's, uh, hmm. let's dampen some of that fun a bit oh. with something that should be very fun in theory. Um, formerly, he has a test coming up, and they have seven women drivers on the test list, which is Awesome. Yay! They've got Tatiana Calderon testing a TS Dechita with the defending champions. I'm now Kubasi, second generation Emirati driver testing for version. Mm. Jamie Chadwick, British F3 race winner testing for Neo, the former TCR Team China. You have Simona De Silvestro, she's back with Venturi. We have Carmen Yorta testing for Nissan Adams. I know it's Carmen Yorta, but that's still but that's still yeah. One it's, of the it's, it's it's the company alliance pick. <laughs> it's BS it's or BMW from the Netherlands, who's raced in Formula V8s, and we've got Catherine Legg as well, also back with Mahindra Racing. I don't understand what could possibly go wrong with this test. Tennis walking. It is. <laughs> it is the day after the Riyadh Grief uh, Epre in Riyadh. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and it was organized at the behest of the promoter, the General Sports Authority of Saudi Arabia <sighs> and the Saudi Arabia Motorsports Federation. I, 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 this frustrates me no end. Like, 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 stick to sports fans out there. Like, cover your ears for the next five minutes. Okay. Um. Like, don't, don't. We didn't ask for this. Politics came to yeah, us. We didn't ask for this one. Politics had to intervene. So, uh, sorry. This is what you're going to get. Let's cut to the chase here. Saudi Arabia has been using sport recently in the last year or so. Probably is somewhat of a shield to try and recoup some of the image of their terrible fucking human rights record. Um, the w- the WWE when, has taken the when the American go on, okay. yeah when the Americans are telling you that a place has a bad human rights interest, this place is bad. Yeah, like the WWE has done multiple shows over there this year for those who are not into your pro wrestling. Not even good ones. Yeah, yeah, not even good ones. Like we had old ass Taker Kane and Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement, looking every bit of their ages. Um, they've taken the WWE's money twice, and in what seems to be a long term partnership with the WWE in Saudi Arabia. Uh yeah. So the General Sports Authority have a ten year contract with the, with the WWE. They also have a ten year contract with Formula E. They have a ten year contract with the International Chess Federation. Pretty much any sports organization they do a deal with, it's a 10-year contract. Yeah, so that's a lot of money that's going to be funneling hands, changing hands for the next decade if they have their way about it. And they've done more events. like that. I think I'm pretty sure that Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic did an exhibition tennis game out there. Um, there's still heavy rumors that they might be interested in actually buying Manchester United Football Club, one of the biggest names in all sports uh, and, and whatnot. Like... They are using sports as a shield to deflect from, you know, murdering one of murdering a journalist in the last couple of weeks. 
that. And the, the, the state-sponsored killing of Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah. You know, a journalist for the Washington yeah. Post. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you need me to tell you how fucking awful all of that is. Um, so, yeah, that is a thing. And uh, they are, they're clearly using sports to to try and mask that. And I, don't, I also don't like the... I don't like how the promoter is saying, you know, have all these women come over for this test in a country that still treats its women like second-class citizens. Um, that that just doesn't yes. sit right with me. I mean, it reminds me... Of, I don't even remember this story from... I know Trevor Noah brought this up earlier this year, King, after the World Cup, when France won the World Cup, obviously, right? And as we know, about three-quarters of that team is, Af- is of African descent, right? And, like, the African U.S. Embassy actually took issue... Well, the French, the, no, French, the, French, the French embassy the French took issue embassy. with Trevor Noah saying, why are you talking about how African these guys are? They're French. And Trevor was like, well, no, they're French too. And it reminded him of the time where a, a immigrant uh, who was living in France, who was of African descent, had saved the baby out of a building and then was given French citizenship as like a prize by, by President Macron, basically. And uh, the, just the awkward nature of, hey... We're not really behind you people unless you do something for us. And and that seemingly is what's going on down here. Yeah, it's, I'd say it's slightly different. Go where on. They, Saudi Arabia are doing this because they realize they need to diversify their economy. And if you have if you need to have a an economy that relies on trade, the countries you trade with need to be on good terms with you. So let's patch it all up, eh, King? You know, we'll, patch we'll, it all yeah, up with a whole lot of money. We'll, because uh, one of the caveats of hosting any, like one of the caveats the FIA had with Saudi Arabia on hosting any event within their borders was that they had to allow women to drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's why they gave women. That's one of the reasons why they gave women the right to drive, and also one of the reasons why all the women who protested for the right to drive in Saudi Arabia are still in prison. Oh God, this, 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 this the whole thing just makes me deeply uncomfortable with, with how this has gone down. And it's like, and it makes you think if that's what it took for women to be able to drive in that country, then. Why is it taking them so long for it to happen now? It just like it just feels so stupid that it took them this long, given how quickly they, they turned their around and when they realized, oh wait, we can take some of Formula E's money here. And I was like, oh well, yeah. no, no, Dre, hmm. they're they're not getting money from the WWE or Formula E. They're paying them right, to right. race Sorry. there. I got the wrong way around. I got, I got confused myself there. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, like that's the whole thing. It just oh, just makes my my well, eyeballs cut again. Up. To say why it's happening now, it it's no surprise. It's the 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 new person in charge, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and uh, this is what we get. Um, like, it's just the use of women as a demo run to try and appease yourselves politically, and it just it makes me cringe. I can't even lie. And, like the use of women, but who no, can easily according- be racing in the series full time, just as a yeah. political prop, just as a stunt for your own benefit. But according to uh, a, a certain British driver who part time races IndyCar, this is way better than than the W series. <sighs> yeah, I 
yeah, let's go this. It's, it's Pippa, man, and she talked and she opened up about this one and saying that this this is clearly you know this is way better than you know this is this is better for the women in motorsport you know campaign or push. So, are you honestly trying to tell me that women being used as a political prop to to forward a country's agenda? is a better way of getting women into motorsport. Like, are we not talking about any of the collateral damage that comes with this here? Or not talking about the uh, literal worst famine of in the past century that's happening in Yemen because of this. Um, yeah, the, you know, state-sponsored assassination of a journalist. Uh, yeah, this is so much better. The, the W series. Yeah, Pippa's comments regarding that were a fucking joke. I, 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 I cringed when I saw her tweet about the situation. If this is the best possible scenario, then like this, 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 that's ludicrous. It's ridiculous, and I don't like this attitude of it's only this way or the highway when it comes to trying to get women into motorsport. There has to be better ways than this. If this is the best idea on the table, then we are boned, quite frankly. Like, yeah. like if, if this is the best idea on the table, then no one really cares. <laughs> right. This would be a good idea in literally any other part of the world. Yeah. The fact that it's only happening because Saudi Arabia acts for it. They're like, why has no one wanted to do this before? Maybe even more so than North Korea. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Like, this is apparently the the, the best way of doing this. No, I, I don't know. I oof, No, no. There has to be a better way no, than this. No. It has to be better than this. That's why I was so glad to watch Asia Labas series and see an all-female team finish top 10 in their class. Shout-outs to R24. This is the lone Asia Labas series of analysts you're going to get. That is a better way because it's a team that is run for the purpose of getting women to race on an all-female team at Lamar without any sort of pretense whatsoever. Just out there doing it. Indeed. Guys, we have to do better than this. I'm, I'm just saying that out there, because if this is the best possible way, then we are never going to make true progress. Because, uh, yeah, uh, of course we want more women in motorsport, but not as a political prop. Like, they're better than that. They deserve better than that. And we, as consumers of motorsport, deserve better than that. Definitely. In brighter news... My God, Formula 2, despite losing its top three, and possibly Artem Markolov as well, depending on how his, how his, the fact of his family works out. No, he's definitely, they're definitely yeah. losing Artem yeah. Markolov. Top three mm. points finishers, mm. and their resident fifth-year fun-haver. Mm. But they are reloading the clip. Yep. And leading the charge on the hype train, um, as, I, as I put on Twitter earlier today, um, as the hype started, yes, yes. The hype. The hype rises. Um, Mick Schumacher is heading to Prima's Formula 2 team. And uh, uh, everyone, everyone, disrobe. Get the baby oil out. It's happening. Mick Schumacher coming up the ladder. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Here we go. <laughs> oh, buddy. Y'all, we got a... We got a lot of big moves happening in Formula 2. Let's start with the return of Nobuhara Matsushita with the reigning team champions, Carlin. Mm -hmm. Let's start with uh, Formula uh, GP3 runner-up Nikita Mazepin moving up to ART Grand Prix, where he's set to partner Nick DeVries. Mm -hmm. um, Sergio Sete Camera is looking like he's moving over to Dams from Carlin. I mean, Yeah, that is confirmed. Yeah. Oh, yes. So that's uh, so it's all looking good. The, the... Yeah, and that's, that's just... 
all the things that are confirmed to happen for next year. Oh, Lord. I mean, what, more, what else more could you get? Well, due to Sharu's uh, uh, Racing System's new partnership with Sauber, there's a possibility that uh, Tatiana Calderon could be joining them in See, Formula 2. See, there we go. That, there we bang. are getting something better. So uh, Calderon delivery. would be uh, the most recent woman to drive in this level. Because, yeah, uh, since uh, Giovanna Amata... Uh, drove an international form of 3000 in 1991 that is how far separated we are from having a woman in formula 2 gp2 or international form of 3000 i wasn't born in 91 jesus christ (sighs) that's scary but hey hopefully tatiana will will, will continue her rise towards her dream of an f1 seat what else have you got king Uh, the GP3 champion ha- is moving up to Formula 2. It's Antoine not sure Hubert. which team. Yeah, Antoine Hubert might be is moving up to Formula 2, but it, we're not sure which team yet. It's looking like it's going to be MP Motorsport. Mm. Uh, uh, an American is moving up. Well, two might be moving up. Mm. Where uh, Juan Manuel Correa and Ryan Tavita will both be moving up to Formula 2. It's looking like... Uh, Correa's in contention for one of the Sharu's seats, while Tavita will be going to Trident, which will have their second American in two years. Hopefully this one's uh, le- so- this one's less annoying. <laughs> 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 but again, I don't think that will take much. Yeah. Uh, but that's it in terms of promotions. Everyone, uh, all the rumored drivers are, all the other rumored drivers are drivers who are returning from this season. Yeah. So DeVries, DeVries could be going to HRT. ART, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, ART. Uh, Latifi, you know, at Dams. Yeah, Sean Galau remaining at Prima. Yeah. Uh, Luca Giotto, though, it's not sure which team he'll be at, but it's seeming like he'll be staying in Formula 2. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that seems to be the set kind of the the picture that we're looking at heading into next year. Is there not a Haas uh, test and reserve driver that's going to Carlin in that bunch as well? No, there... Oh, Louis Delatraz? Yes, what is Delatraz doing? Moving himself into title contention. That's what <laughs> yes. he's doing. Mm-hmm. Spicy. But like I said, like for a series, it's, a, oh. it's probably about to lose its arguably four best drivers. That is a hell of a, uh, of a, of a reload for next year. That's going to be uh, all sorts of spicy. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to Formula 2 next year. More coverage next year, please, fellas. More. More. Um, I'm here for all of that. But, uh, yes. Oh, I, I love that even on the set list, there is literally a rolling eyes emoji at this next point. Um we have a fifth rookie of the year contender in the IndyCar series. It's Santino Ferrucci. It's kept <laughs> Santucci's back at DC. <sighs> time drive <sighs> alongside Coin D- Racing. Just, just get yeah, quiet just, and drive, kid. You're kind of good at that. Just, when you have just shut up and drive, Santino. All right. Just like let's at- talk about. Let's <laughs> talk about something happier. Let's talk about eating chicken nuggets from yes. the winner's trophy. Yes. 
All right. Um, we had the V8, we had, sorry, the Australian Supercars title finale on the uh, beaches of Newcastle. Shane Van Gisberg won the first race in the last lap, but then he was penalized 20 seconds for a pit lane violation. That put it squarely in the corner of DJR Team Penske's and Adam Johnson's other son, Scott McLaughlin, winning the title in Newcastle. And how did he celebrate? He put 40 McNuggets into the championship winner's trophy and ate out of the trophy. Yeah, so if you ever wanted to know just how many nuggets fit into the V8 Supercar trophy, the answer is 40. Who would have thought it? <laughs> We're answering the important questions here on Motorsport 101. Um, the man was was seen like on social media like dunking McNuggets in the trophy um, and, and partying at a local McDonald's. That man is my new hero. <laughs> Like, like we, we, like we, we already named the award after him on this show. There's, we might as well just make it Motorsport 101, Sir Scott McLaughlin Shrine at this point because we love Scotty on here, and uh, we don't even regularly cover supercars, and we know he's pretty great. Yes, yeah, <laughs> he is awesome, and we have now just confirmed his awesomeness because he eats nuggets out of a trophy. My man, God bless Scotty. He is the goddamn man. Shoutouts to everybody on Australia Twitter that was raising a fuss of like, how dare he disrespect this trophy? Like, dude, people just drink straight up out of that and out of other trophies. We could tell many stories about the Stanley Cup and what's been done to that. <laughs> the unspeakable, terrible things. Oh, dear. Like, I find it amazing that of all people in the world to actually catch a stiff upper lip and complain about being at a McDonald's and party, it's the Aussies of all people. I thought the Aussies would be the most fun to deal with this sort of thing. This doesn't make any sense. It's <laughs> probably the cr the cranky Holden fans. Uh, James. Uh, Scotty, you're the man. Um, and I think that just about wraps it up. For this week's most one on. Well, there's Ooh. one other story from Formula mm -hmm. 2 that I forgot to mention. Go on. Ooh. The, the team that we love as being the fun havers. Oh, have... yes. Russian time. They're selling yes. the farm. Russia time are no longer in operation. They're no! selling their Formula 2 team. Uh, they will be continuing on the series, but Russia time have not responded to any press comments and have not elaborated on who the new owners of the team are. Yeah, which would also explain why not only why Artem Markolov's leading, but also why Tadasuke move Makino is moving to the Super Formula Championship. Yeah. I'm sad. That is sad. We love Russian time on mm. this show. Sadlana is awesome. Yeah. We love Russian time. We love Artem Markolov. Zita Makino is a great is, is a great and, talent and oh that's that's And sad. we love Drinking chicken nuggets out of a trophy. <laughs> yes. Can I wrap it up now, Feathers? <laughs> oh, did we, did we not talk about the crossover? Oh, yes. Alonso, <laughs> Fernando Alonso and Jimmy Johnson drove cars. Oh, God. Did a seat swap at Bahrain. I think we've actually hit our Alonso quote for the day. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like, we, we hit the Alonso retirement patience quota in less than 24 hours after you retire. <laughs> Will Buxton, I'm blaming you for this one, my friend. Um, yeah, the... the it was it was it was a literal it was a literal Fernando Alonso GM wedding in front yeah, of her. Like, there was a car swap. They mentioned that you know Alonso was three seconds faster than Jimmy Johnson round the track, and of course, Will Buxton immediately lowered his pants, um, doing his best 
doing it, you know, he, he, he burying the burying the obvious lead that Jimmy Johnson's going to go drive IndyCars after his Hendrick contract runs out. Yeah, it's just, you know. Or at least he's interested in it. Yeah, you know, just going to, you know, just going to get the baby oil out, get nice and comfortable, break out Pornhub on his phone, and yeah, just, just not to this picture, apparently, because, uh, yeah, you know, Alonso was three seconds quicker than Jimmy, and of course it was like, <gasps> look at this, you guys, Alonso's such a brilliant talent, you guys, and I'm like, guys, Alonso has raced on that track every year since his existence in 2003, um, and Jimmy Johnson has not got a clue about what Bahrain looks like. If anything, I praise John- Jimmy Johnson for only being within three seconds of Fernando for his first ever run in a car around Bahrain. Like, yeah. I thought that was more impressive than... And, and of course, everyone was like, oh, and Buxton just can't freaking help himself. And I'm like, God, I, I, have we already hit the Alonso patience threshold? Like, like, yeah, facts right. Um, like, literally a day after his retirement. Like, it's already happened. It's like, did you just get to Indianapolis already? <laughs> but please, but and also please read my piece on motorsport101.com. Yes, please do that as well. Do that as well. But, uh, yeah, everybody pull their trousers back up. This is not worth getting excited about. I guess I should. Yeah, that includes you, RJ. <laughs> yeah, probably other minor stories, I would say. Um, uh, yeah, Billy Monger is looking at entering the International Formula 3 Championship next year. Mm, good uh, for him, man. Good. Passed, his, passed his Halo extraction test. He was all over the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix weekend. That also in Abu Dhabi was uh, Juan Pablo Montoya to launch his new limited edition Rolex. Yay! We love Monty. <laughs> uh, Vettel and Hamilton swap helmets for the first time in their career. That careers. was nice. That was very nice. Apparently, yes. apparently Vettel has a small for his helmet, and that Hamilton literally could, Hamilton <laughs> literally could not fit it on his head, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> um, but that was really like it, it's it's. I've said it before, and I will say it again. If their respective fan bases had half the level of respect that those two have for each other, covering F1 races on Twitter would actually be fun. Um, lead by example, fanboys. Just saying. And Sophia Flourish is home in Germany. Yes. 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 Brilliant news. Get well soon, Sophia. You badass. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Whew. That's just about everything, folks. Um, we are probably going to take a small break, you guys. Um, end of season and all that. It's been lengthy. We don't have to rush it now between now and Christmas. Um, don't worry. I'm 99% sure we'll have a Christmas special of some kind between now and the new year. Um, but we're probably going to take a week out because we're all tired. 21 race seasons are long. <laughs> like, holy cow. But uh, we'll be back most likely in a fortnight's time for our Formula 1 season review. But in the meantime, we start season review season, as I like to call it here, on, on Motorsport 101. Because the Bike Live MotoGP season review will be out next, well, actually this weekend, it'll be episode 89, and that'll be on next week's show. So we'll be, re- we'll be basically going back and reviewing what was a pretty awesome MotoGP season in the end, as Mark Marquez would take his seventh World Championship, but boy, we had to get through some shit to get there, um, including Dovi, the fall of Zarco, uh, the the rise of Lorenzo at Ducati, Valentino Rossi dragging a Yamaha up through the field, all the independent drama, um, the rise of Danilo Petrucci, Alex Rins' brilliant second half of the year, and two all-time, you know, brilliant race candidates, um, with Assen, where basically Valentino gave Lorenzo a French kiss, 
and everybody beat the piss out of each other. And Thailand, where, my God, um, Valentino Rossi had the best seat in the house, and he finished in fourth. Two outstanding races, and hopefully a review of an, a pretty awesome 19-race MotoGP season. All of that this weekend on Bike Live. Check it out if you haven't already. That'll just about do it for this week. Places you can find us one more time. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. At Harrison101HD. At RJ O'Connell. And at uh, Ryan Eric King on our personal handles there. Um, you can follow us financially on Patreon if you want to back us on there. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Um, $5 to get you access to with this show and do bike live as well. $10 gets you into our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Thanks to Cam and Jason for sticking with us the whole way and whatnot. Hope you enjoyed the show. And of course, check out all our blog written content as well on motorsport101.com forward slash blog. All our episodes are on there. All our bios are out there. All our written blogs are up there as well, including my piece on Marquez versus Rossi as I argue with myself. Um, you'll have to read it to get the context behind it. I think Dre came out on top. I think it was pretty cool on that one. And RJ's brilliant long-form piece on Fernando Alonso. Check it out if you haven't already. We've spoiled you for content in the last few days. One of the best weekends we've ever had for new content. So, yeah, there's no excuse. And, oh, by the way, keep an eye on that blog over the next coming weeks. I'll be going now. My usual season review written season as well. I'm just not sure how many parts I'm going to split it into just yet. I will write it up and I will see how we go. I'll keep you posted on that one. So stay tuned for that over the next fortnight as well. I'm going to get out of here because I'm tired. But uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll see you in a couple of weeks time for our Formula One season review. Keep an eye on our social media for an exact date on that. But in the meantime, I've been Andre Harrison, they've been Ryan King and RJ O'Connell, and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. It's over, y'all. Bye. What the hell have you... I was not going to say Sarnara. Sorry, Dre. Why do you not like fun things? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, though, where's John Boys? We need him. We need him back. Like, we need him back badly. Like, it's just not the same when he's, when he's only producing and not commentating on things. Bye! <laughs>